Gentlemen, Romulans, chickens, and things to episode two of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Jarman. And I am Steve. And we are here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises the Muppets and Star Trek. We'll be doing one to one reviews of the Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series. Uh, and this week we have special Muppet Show guest Rita Moreno in Star Trek, the original series episode, Charlie X, to review. Yes. And Rita Moreno, what was she famous for? She was a performer uh, in television, musical. She was on Broadway. Um, fun fact, she is the third person ever to EGOT. Oh, wow. Emmy, Grammy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. And she got the Emmy, which was a daytime Emmy for best female performance on a variety or comedy show for this episode. That's amazing. And wasn't she? This episode to- got her her EGOT. Wasn't she in West Side Story, the I Want to Be an America lady? Yes, she was in West Side Story. And then right before this, or maybe leading directly up to this, uh, she did a six-year stint on uh, children's show, The Electric Company. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But she has been in all sorts of media. I know her best from uh, Oz on HBO. Oh, okay. She played like a social worker ex-nun, if I remember correctly. Well, that's something our audience Uh, might have seen. Yeah, but there's just a, she's she's been all over the place. And uh, Charlie X was uh, we'll talk about more later, but it's basically an episode they put out pretty early because it didn't have a lot of special effects. It was like a bottle episode. So they were, had to sneak it out because it was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it was done first, basically. <laughs> That's good. I mean, yeah. it's good when a show you know has cost savings in mind. <laughs> Absolutely. They had to do it. So I guess first we're going to talk about the Muppet Show episode with Rita Moreno. That's right. This week on the Muppet Show, uh, we have the Muppet Show theme. Kermit introduces Rita, and in the introduction, she is bit by animal. It's a cute moment. Kermit opens the show with a really terrible joke from Fozzie about 255 dancing bears. Yeah. Dancing elephants. Elephants, yeah. Because they all forgot their trunks. Uh, <laughs> you get an opening number with Rita Moreno. Uh, this is actually the first time a, a you know, celebrity guest host opened. Uh, which was a dance number to the song I Get Ideas, in which her and a male, sometimes puppet, sometimes guy in a giant suit, have a violent dance. It was where they really fight funny. each other. And really well choreographed. She's getting they're both getting drunker as they go along, taking shots and throwing each other across the bar and breaking things. It was it was really fun. The backstage gag for this episode is introduced. A phone rings backstage. Fozzie picks it up. Water comes pouring out when Kermit asks who it was. Fo- uh, Fozzie answers the water department. This is the running gag for the rest of the episode. Uh, We get the very first veterinarian's hospital. And the first time that piggy is referred to as piggy. I did hear that though. In the sketch, it is still being played by Richard Hunt. Not Frank. Different voice for sure. You can really hear it. So this Uh, veterinary clinic thing is an ongoing thing eventually. Oh yeah. And it gets bigger and more drawn out. Um, But yeah, veterinarian's hospital becomes a standard for the show. It's probably every other, every other episode, at least. Um, 
Fozzie then the phone rings again. Smoke comes out. Oh, it's the fire department this time. Oh. Uh, we have a Muppet News flash in which a man taught a chicken to dance and his wife cooked it for lunch. <laughs> Big laugh. We get some time in the kitchen with the Swedish chef, which is awesome. And this is the first Swedish chef uh, kitchen, I believe. Mm-hmm. He's making pancakes. And then when they get stuck on the ceiling, he shoots them down with a blunderbuss. <laughs> yes. Backstage, phone rings again. Coins start spilling out. Las Vegas is calling. Uh-huh. And then we get at, at the dance. And uh, at the dance is one of those early Muppet show standards. Uh, with the couples dancing and the music in the background and saying these quick little jokes and quips. And it's all flavored around the fact that there's a shark in the room somehow. All these different couples making jokes. Uh, then you get the country trio, which sang a lovely song called tomorrow. Uh, and the country trio is the puppets of Jim, Jerry and Frank, Jerry Nelson, Frank Oz and Jim Henson. That's right. Getting to know the names uh, now, man. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get there. Uh, then comes the introduction of the Muppaphone, which is one of my all-time favorite Muppet Show gags, uh, where this guy hits these little sentient beings that sing out in pain as they play Lady of Spain. Then there's a lackluster and vaguely racist panel show. Yeah. Uh, discussion about conver- if conversation is dying, and Rita Moreno has a really ridiculous accent. And Piggy pretends not to understand her. And Kermit's the moderator. It's really poor. It's a reflection of the time. Right. And I actually had never heard Rita Moreno speak before outside of uh, West Side Story. So I didn't know if that was actually her real accent. And I'm like, this is really weird. But then her <laughs> next thing, she comes on with yeah, a perfectly on. neutral accent. Yeah. Uh, backstage, phone rings again. Fozzie answers again. Phone explodes. It's the Atomic Energy Commission. Ha ha ha. Newsflash. The, he runs on just in time to say there's no additional news. <laughs> You get the talk spot, which as I said, is kind of like a hallmark of the show where Kermit has a moment with a guest. He talks to Rita and she talks about how she wants to go off script because he's reading off cards. Sweetums comes in and then kind of like sexually assaults her and carries her off against her will. Well, she says, you know, uh, you should put down those cue cards. He's like, what else can I put in my hands? She's like, anything you want. He's like, that's the best thing I've heard all week. And he grabs her and runs off stage. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Uh, then you get Sam the Eagle once again, the morality police introducing Wayne and Wanda uh, to sing a lovely little ditty, uh, which they just sing approximately one line of before he accidentally hits her in the face and the musical number's over. Uh, then um, Fozzie goes out, does his comedy act, gets heckled by uh, Statler and Waldorf, goes backstage, the phone rings, Kermit has had enough, he says no more, and Animal goes over and rips the phone off the wall. Yes. The running gag is over. The running gag is over. Rita and animal perform fever. And I think I mentioned this last time, but, uh, in, um, Floyd Pepper's there, uh, playing bass, but this is like one of the all time iconic Muppet show moments is this performance of fever by Rita Marina. The simple bit, but it works super simple. Uh, they go to the closing of the episode where Rita once again, like throws this puppet guy across the stage uh, and then says, it's okay. Cause they had lunch and Muppets storm out and everyone waves. Oh, goodbye! And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> that was quite the fast recap. That's right. Uh, so as I mentioned, this is the real introduction of piggy as piggy, but not quite Frank yet though. Frank does perform piggy during the panel show. I thought it sounded a little better. Uh, in the at the dance segment, this is crazy. So of the four couples they show, uh, I think it's four. Um, 
three of the couples, both characters are being performed by the same puppeteer. Jeez, that's a lot of work. Yeah. It took me watching this, but of the duos, almost all of them were the same voice actor. Like Frank was both, Jerry was both. Um to the point where I had to look it up to confirm. But it's just crazy the amount of talent. They need more people working on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a sm- the the cast got bigger and they brought in more people as the show progressed, but right now this is actually pretty small scale. Yeah. Uh, and then, I met, as I mentioned, the country trio, that is the uh, Jim Henson, Jerry Nelson, and Frank Oz puppets. They're all kind of like various dirty old hippies. Yes. It was a good number. Which, coincidentally, is what they all kind of look like in real life. <laughs> this is also the first episode where you get Jerry Nelson singing. And uh, I bring this up because you, it, when we recapped the Muppet episodes, I play on nerds, uh, you had a lot of issues with some of the singing quality. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for you to get like Jerry Nelson, who was an aspiring folk singer. Yeah. Cause all the, the two guys singing in the, the trio were both good singers. It sounded really good. Yeah. And, I, and the other guy was Jim. Right. Um, so, so I'm really excited for you to, to, to maybe get a good taste for Muppet singing. Yeah. In the Muppet show. And also I recommend everyone just, at least on YouTube, look up the Rita Moreno fever, uh, uh, performance. It starts off really sexy and sultry. She's a good-looking woman. Um, and then animals basically ruining it with his drum playing, and it's Drawing. it's cute and it's funny um, and sexy at the same time. Who so in the small breath of Muppet Show that you've seen, what did you think about this episode? This felt very solid, very put together, polished even. Um, and that's a question I had for you because in the section where Reed Moreno talks to Kermit, she says, "Oh, I just want to let you know that I love the Muppets, like as if they've been around a long time, like." How well, would the Muppets she, have been around a long time? The Muppets were Jim's creations, but just seen on the specials and stuff. SNL and late night. They were huge on late night talk shows. That's right. Okay. Performed all over the place. They were in commercials. They were a known entity. They had uh, television specials and gotcha. That's right. This but is yeah, like I mean, big thing. Uh, yeah, this was just the Muppet show. Gotcha. But the Muppets were all much already very much an existing entity. It's like when the, the Geico had those caveman commercials and they were so popular, they tried to make a Geico caveman TV show and it just flopped terribly. <laughs> oh, that's right. That happened. It did. I think Nick Kroll was actually the, the star of it. Really? Yeah, he was oh, the, head, okay. the head caveman. <laughs> the head caveman. <laughs> that's a part you always want. <laughs> uh, were there any parts of this you liked less? Um. Yeah, I agree that the... Even though that uh, the 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 um, the panel discussion show talking about the death of conversation was vaguely racist, it was still really well done. I thought it was kind of fun. Um, there was a lot of puns, and I love puns. This whole episode is riddled with puns, <laughs> and I just loved it. Yes. One to the other to the other. Um, oh, you're gonna love veterinarians' hospital. <laughs> yeah, it was great. They're just <laughs> so much. All they're so corny, dad jokey. It's just wonderful. Um, yeah, this this episode I didn't have. Any like really big weak points like the last ones we've watched so far. Um, okay. Well, but as good. you said, this is one of the best episodes out there. So, I mean, or that's really, this is one of the most memorable uh, for me. The, the Muppaphone sketch just, I, you know, Ann and I watched it and I laughed out loud still. Oh, it, so, it's carried by Frank Oz playing uh, Marvin Zuggs mm-hmm. and hit him interacting with them and his quick cuts just show the expertise that Frank Oz had as a character. Well, I was going to say watching the Muppet phone part, that's where he's hitting them on the head to make the noise, right? Yeah. Well, at first I was like, this is kind of dragging a little bit. It's it's all right. I get the joke. It's cute. But then my first 
full on laugh out loud moment, which I was not expecting, is when a giant mallet comes down on his head. And I'm like, I just started laughing. I was like, oh, I was not expecting that. It was actually really funny. So, yeah, there wasn't really like a weak point in this episode to me. Good. Yeah. Well, hopefully that holds. It won't probably. <laughs> well, from episode to episode, we'll see. Well, so far there's good hosts. There are some hosts that are like, you can tell are even weird for them. <laughs> right. And there's a spat where um, Jim brings on other experimental puppet people from like around the world. And those episodes are also real weird and slow. Yeah, I guess he wanted to give, you know, some affirmation to the fellow puppeteers, which is good. But yeah, that that crap went away, I think, after season one, pretty much. Not for everybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's been the Muppet Show. Jarman, let's talk about the original series episode we watched. All right, so we got Charlie X. Uh, this is a fairly, you know, well-known, popular episode. If you're a, a light Trekkie, you know about this one because early on and considered really good. It's DC Fontana's first episode, which is a popular writer for the show, female writer who recently passed away. Um, and what's funny, mm. uh, I'll say before we start talking about the episode, is that the guy who plays Charlie in this episode died within three days of DC Fontana just a, a month ago. I saw that he just recently passed, actually. Yeah. yeah. So within three days of the writer of this episode, they both died. Um, wow. But anyways, but they lived long, full lives. It's great. <laughs> so we have uh, the Enterprise, which meeting with a vessel Antares to um, take over a charge of their ship called Charlie Evans, who is a sole survivor of a transport ship that crashed on the planet Thasis. And apparently he lived in that planet by himself for 14 years. They don't know how, but... He had a computer there, so he had the ability to learn the language, learn English, and uh, learn about history a little bit. But he's very socially awkward and strange. And the captain of the Antares is very odd when he's dropping off Charlie on the Enterprise. Like, no, you take him. We, we've got to go. We can't stay. And, you know, Kirk's like, oh, all right, that's fine. So uh, they have Charlie <laughs> go under an investigation or examination by Dr. McCoy to make sure he's all right and up to par. And he's very healthy. He seems to be fine. Uh, but the boy... Uh, just tells Dr. McCoy strangely that he wants everyone to like him. I want everyone to like me. Do you like me? And he's like, well, sure, I like you. Um, so then he finds uh, Yeoman Rand um, on the ship, and he asks Captain Kirk if she's a girl because he's never seen one before, and he becomes infatuated with her. He gives her a bottle of perfume that happens to be her favorite scent, which is very strange. She doesn't know how he got it. Um, he sees a man in engineering uh, slap a fellow engineer in the butt as he walks away, jokingly. Um, and then so later on, he does that to Yeoman Rand and she says, you can't do that to me. So he's very confused by social norms and that kind of thing. Uh, so later on, uh, he meets up with, with Rand in the recreation room where Spock is playing uh, a Lear and Uhura starts singing along with him. And Charlie's annoyed that um, he's being made fun of in the song. So he uh, makes Uhura gag where she can't sing anymore she can't talk and no one really knows that it's him that's causing that yet but we're starting to notice that charlie has some strange abilities and strange powers um he doesn't like that he's not getting attention so he starts doing magic tricks to impress everybody and the magic's a little too magical so that's strange as well um the antares uh tries to submit a message to captain kirk to warn him about charlie now that they're far away uh, but charlie cuts it off before it can happen and he blows up the antares and they don't know that yet, that he's the one who blew it up, but he does it with his powers. Uh, so McCoy encourages uh, Kirk to be like a father figure to Charlie, to make him a little more sociable. Uh, so he takes Charlie down to the gymnasium to have a little wrestling and fighting instruction, which is very odd by itself, and see some Kirk shirtless and in, in, in tights. And uh, 
one of the other people in the gymnasium starts to make fun of Charlie, laughing at him. So Charlie makes him disappear right in front of Captain Kirk, which, of course, freaks out Captain Kirk. So they call security. He makes the phasers disappear all over the ship so they can't attack him. Uh, but Captain Kirk forces him to go to his uh, cabin. So uh, Captain Kirk and, and Spock try to take uh, Charlie to a um, the brig, which has like a kind of a, a laser grid to keep people in. But uh, Charlie just makes the whole thing disappear. Um, they try to divert the ship away from the colony they're taking him to so that he can't destroy the colony, but he takes control of the entire enterprise and he starts making Spock recite poetry and starts going crazy. He turns Tina, one of the people on the, on the bridge into a lizard. Um, he chases down Yeoman Rand and wants to basically, you know, make her love him. Um, and she slaps him. So he makes Rand disappear. So he's going crazy. He's going on a rampage. He, uh, transforms people on the ship, making their face disappear so they can't laugh at him or make jokes. Um, so then all of a sudden after he's going totally crazy, they're trying to make the enterprise, uh, go on full alert so that he can't control it anymore. And he loses his powers, but it's not working. A Thassian ship appears, which is the people, the planet that he came from, these all powerful people that were thought to be long extinct on that planet. And they basically tell them that they had found him on their planet and gave him these powers so that he could survive on his own and that he can't live among humans because he's too dangerous. They can't take his powers away at this point. So they apologize for the trouble he's caused. They return everybody that he may disappear and fix all the disfigurements and stuff. And they take Charlie away, even though Charlie's screaming, please don't let them take me. Don't let them take me. And then Charlie's gone. And for some reason, Yeoman Rand cries when he leaves, even though he was terrible to her. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was Charlie. <laughs> yeah, that was X. It. That's about it. In my own roundabout way, that was Charlie X. So what did you think of this episode, Steve? Um. So I liked how much rounder all the characters felt in this episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the development of their relationships with each other is clearer for right. whatever reason in this. Um, the character of Charlie itself was fun. This kind of like dumb kid brother was sort of, and then watching it morph into something more dangerous was a fun aspect. More scary, yeah. Um, my issues I kind of had were that it, it was really hard to determine what Charlie's powers were exactly. Right. They say that it's somewhere in a line that he can create things with his mind kind of, or get rid of them, transmute them. So, but, but at the beginning I couldn't tell if he was, if he was like an illusionist, like the big brain guys in man in the first one, whatever right. that one was, I just couldn't, I couldn't tell. And then I, you know, he melted the chess pieces and I was like, okay, it must be reality. Cause why would he make an illusion of melting chess pieces? Right. Um, but then suddenly he had control of the entire show. It just, I don't know. I, I think that his powers were ill-defined and it made me hard to be like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he can push people with his mind. He can make people have good into pain. Um, he can also take over computers and stuff. Yeah. Cause in the book, apparently the, the, the book version of this made back in the sixties or early seventies, they go into it that he can transmute things like matter and that kind of things, but he can also send things to another plane. So when people are disappearing, they're going to like this alternate plane. Um, But they don't explain that in the episode, but that doesn't explain how he can control the ship still. So that's kind of, yeah. yeah. So it just, once again, it just, it wasn't bad. It was just confusing for me as an audience member. That makes sense. Um, I loved some of their great use of their budget. Um, the, when he's like just being a petulant little shit <laughs> and, and walks and just walks through the ship being mean to people Oh yeah, and he turns the woman into the old woman and like ages her, that camera cut was like seamless and well-timed 
and was a cheap effect. Better than the last one where there was a few accidents when they tried to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and same thing when the people were talking and laughing. He's like, no, don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and the woman comes around the corner with the, the makeup covering her face. So she, her face looks like a flat panel. Yeah. Um, that was so cool that they, they knew they could do the makeup, but they knew they couldn't do the transition. And so they didn't try to show it. And they were around the corner and they were just shadows. So you could see the people. As yeah, shadows. yeah, it was just, it was almost a clever theater trick. Almost. That's true. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I thought that some of the effects were really great. My issues with the, so Charlie, when he sometimes, when he decides to do something bad, he tilts his head down and crosses. His eyes. <laughs> it was a little silly looking. Yeah. And, and my issue is that it was really silly looking. And I know that they were trying to, like, I know what they were trying to do. Someone should have made a better choice. <laughs> yes. The actor, the director, someone should have made a better choice because there was no way for him to consistently do it. It would look different every time. Yeah. Well, not only that, because they showed him doing it three times, but he did bad stuff a lot more than like the three or four times he made that face. But only and so because of that, there was no way to show it because it was such a big jarring thing for him to do. Like every time he did it, it, it like stopped the show for eight <laughs> seconds while they showed it. It looked like he was constipated or something. Like what? The <laughs> <is>? <laughs> He's not used to taco Tuesdays on the starship enterprise. <laughs> this is all new to me. Stop laughing. <laughs> Should I not have eaten all that hot sauce? <laughs> no, you shouldn't have. And don't slap people in the ass. That's considered bad, Charlie. <laughs> Too much hot sauce is very bad. <laughs> uh, well, apparently the guy was a method actor, the the Charlie actor. Okay. He was 26 while he's playing the 17-year-old. Yeah, the 17-year-old. <laughs> but he was actually 26 when it came on. <laughs> he looks really weirdly old but young at the same time. It's kind of weird. Um, he's like 13 or 30. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently he stayed in his dressing room and didn't react with members of the cast. So this would help his characterization of being strange and aloof. I think he uh, acted the hell out of it, I thought, for a 26-year-old. Um, but yeah, I did like this episode. I certainly liked it better than the last one. Gotcha. Without a doubt. Everything just felt so much more rounded out. And it's only going to get better in that regard, too, because so you'll see more. There was no Scotty or... or um, or uh, Sulu in this episode, and they kind of Chekhov doesn't exist yet, right? Yeah, he's season two comes comes in. Okay. Um. So yeah, and then there's another weird thing is that they in the future there's always um on, on these episodes there's the the replicants the replicators that make food. Um, but they mm-hmm. talk about a chef in this one. They talk about Thanksgiving and the meatloaf, and that kind of thing. Oh, that's right. And the one guy who comes to the captain on the bridge says, "Sir, the meatloaf is turned into actual turkeys." Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the voice of Gene Roddenberry, and that's his only appearance oh. in any episode of, of Star Trek, as far as wow, voice or anything. Okay. So I thought that was pretty cool. I, I did not know that until looking this up. That's pretty neat. Hmm. Also, uh, William Shatner shaved his chest for this episode, you might have noticed. but uh, he's Oh, he most certainly did. <laughs> apparently, in the very next episode we're going to watch, or No Man's Gone Before, he has hair all over his chest again. So that was just a one-time thing. <laughs> he shaves it before he works out. I get it. Yeah, of course. And if any of you know, um, watch the uh, Twilight Zone series. Did you watch the old Twilight Zone shows? I know that he's on the thing on the wing. Oh, well, yeah. But the, there's a Twilight Zone episode called It's a Good Life. It's all about a boy who has these powers. So his parents and everybody's terrified of him and tries to be so good to him because they're afraid he's going to make them disappear. 
Um, oh, maybe. So this was I this, remember something from the Outer Limits that was like that, maybe. Yeah, it was 1961, I believe, is when it came out. Yeah. So it inspired this episode a little bit, too. So, oh, okay. That's pretty cool. But I think both of us agree that this they're they're forming into the shows they're going to be for the rest of the time. Yeah, we're getting we're each getting closer and closer to like what I think we're both thinking of as like the good times. Yeah, the good streaks. So uh, what similarities did you find between these two episodes? All right. So both feature a man slapping a woman's butt. (laughs) Rita and her dance partner in the opening sequence and Charlie and human Rand. Is that her name? Yep, that's right. Uh, Both involve someone being thrown to the ground. The opening number again, and then the sparring between Kirk and Charlie. Fair. In both, someone uses a communication device, which explodes. <laughs> that is true. Fozzie and the telephone, and then Uhura uh, and her panel. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, and both have musical numbers featuring string instruments. I had that one as well. They both include a song <laughs> and dance number, basically. <laughs> oh, that's something else I liked about... Um, the about this episode is you got to really see Uhura and Spock and like her flirt and yeah and that's him a great kind thing. of get out of his comfort zone. It was really nice. Yeah, and I think both this first and second episode have more of this than they they lack this later episodes of showing like um remember Sulu's um gr- like greenhouse basically in his room. Last right, what all these people's lives are. Yeah, the gymnasium <laughs> and the rec room like it shows like the lower decks people you know like hanging out like that they don't have much of that later on in the series. So I do I did like that a lot. Um, yeah, I forgot to mention that, but I did really like that. Uh, both include a lack of understanding of what women want and what is appropriate to do toward them. Uh, with, that That is 100% accurate. With both Charlie smacking Rand in the butt and uh, Sweetums carrying Rita Moreno off and Animal. There you go. I, I mean, Animal didn't really do anything wrong. He, just, he liked getting smacked in the head by Rita Moreno. <laughs> a little bit he did. Yes, but uh, that's not wrong. That's a good one. No that's kink shaming. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's my similarities. I had the song and dance okay. number. He took it from me. Ah, damn. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's okay. Uh, and I found uh, t- uh, two Trek connections for this that are kind of the same. Oh, I like it. Yeah, Trek connections this week. So in 1976 and then 1975 for one of these and then the other, Leonard Nimoy and Rita Moreno were guest celebrities on two separate shows together. <laughs> Which shows? So uh, Leonard Nimoy and Rita Moreno, as well as Andy Griffith, were the guest celebrities on the Cap- an episode of the Captain and Tennille show. Oh, my God. Which ran from 1975 to 76, I think, or 76. It only Love ran for like a year. will keep us together. <laughs> uh, and then sometime in that same era, her, uh, Rita Moreno and Leonard Nimoy were both the celebrity contestants on the $10,000 pyramid hosted by Dick Clark. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's amazing. So they've met each other. Connection. Oh, they definitely knew each other. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, there you go. My head can that they got it on at some point. Logical. (laughs) So I think, uh uh-oh, what is that? Oh, no. Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. Stuff's going crazy here. So this is the part of the show where we transport one uh, character or and or actor from one of the show's episodes to the other episode in separate universes. So my first one here is I would have Uhura be transported into the place of Rita Moreno with her singing and dancing skills. I think that'd be pretty appropriate. Okay, and have Uhura do fever with animal. I, I could I could be okay with that. Yeah, I think it'd work out great. 
<laughs> That's nice. Uh, I want Kirk to be transferred uh, to the opening number and be Rita's dance partner. <laughs> dance just with his bare chest, but also be kicked around and beat up a whole lot. And do a lot of shoulder rolls. Do a lot of shoulder rolls and like hitting the mat to disperse the energy. <laughs> Let me fall over for you, buddy. <laughs> just like, what was that? Uh, so, yeah, that's what I want to see Kirk do. Nice. I also wanted uh, Animal to be transported, take the place of Charlie uh, with his just being <laughs> his total lack of social norms and understanding what's not nice and good. to No, no, people. no, no, Charlie. You don't chase women. No, no chase. No chase. <laughs> So, yeah, just imagine Animal throughout the entire Charlie X episode and him going cross-eyed and knocking people over. <laughs> uh, I've got Statler and Waldorf. Uh, they show up at the end uh, as the corp- incorporeal heads. <laughs> Sorry we missed the boy. Well, we didn't miss the boy. <laughs> He's like, no, please don't send me back. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, that, that was one um that was one thing that I, I forgot that I also really liked about this episode and it came right at the end uh was after they took the boy uh that you could see that it it was unclear whether it was the right thing for them to do. Right, they like they couldn't really it's a gray area, you know. It didn't end on like a super dun, 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 like it didn't yeah, and they actually purposefully play that different music at the end here. It's more kind of solemn, mysterious music as opposed to the usual. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, so. But yeah, so I, I, I really appreciated that, too, that it wasn't like a big victorious moment. Like, even as the audience, we didn't know if it was the if it was good or not. That's why DC Fontana was a great writer. Yeah, that was real good. So that brings us to the end of episode two of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for episode three of the Muppet Show with special guest star Sandy Duncan. An original series episode where no man has gone before. So, from the lovers, the dreamers, and us, live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. <laughs>